Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library, and today I have a guest on. Now, this guest and I, we met when both of us were working for General Electric, and our paths kind of went in different directions when he decided to go home to the Bahamas to work in the family business. And so I wanted to bring him on to talk a little bit about the experience of working in the family business and working in the U.S. versus working in the Bahamas. Welcome to the show, OJ. Hey, thanks, Terrell. It's great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So um, where are you located right now? Uh, right now I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, so I, uh, when I moved back to the States, I took a role with Target. Um, it's, been, it's been roughly about three months for me. Um, so right before, uh, you know, the stay at home work, you know, stay at home orders and, and everything came to place. I had literally been in my job for about a week oh, wow. um, before that happened. So most of my onboarding experience has been remote and, uh, and you know, I haven't even gotten a chance to experience the city. Um, as as you can imagine, even the last couple of weeks have kind of pushed um, you know a lot of small businesses from opening. So it's been a it's been an interesting past couple of months uh, here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about you know the the family business back at home and kind of the decision to move there, and then now the decision to move back. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think it may be helpful. Um, you know, I share a little bit of, of my, 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 my story because it, they kind of speak to each other when I talk about the different, um, different points and the different decision-making points. Um, so originally, um, you know, raised in, in Freeport, Bahamas, um, when I graduated high school, didn't really have a, a plan or intention to go to college. And I started working with my dad uh, on a small business that he was starting, a home improvement business, um, basically where we were importing uh, cabinetry and granite countertops into Freeport. And uh, we were opening a small retail location, you know, as an outlet to do so. And so I was on the ground helping them doing this. And, you know, at the time it was, it was fresh out of high school, starting from the bottom. Uh, I was making $5 an hour, which is the, the minimum wage in the Bahamas. And uh, yeah, after a couple months of doing that, I was like, yeah, I think, I think school does make sense for me now. So I talked to him um, and, and we both were in agreement, uh, applied to a few places and ended up deciding to go to Purdue in Indiana. Did that for a couple of years. And uh, after that, I went to, um, to General Electric where we met, uh, did the F&P program, the financial management program. And uh, during that time, um, you know, traveled a bit, did a rotation in Czech Republic, which was great. Um, you know, had some opportunities to work in some of our, our, our shops, the corporate. And, and uh, during that time, uh, my dad's partner reached out and asked if I would be interested in coming back home to run the business. And so, um, you know, for me, it was kind of a full circle, right? I did what I wanted to do. I got, you know, an education. I got some experience with a, with a multinational company. And so, you know, I thought it was a good time to go back home and help out with the business. And so I, I went home probably in May 2017. And uh, at the time, we had two, two storefronts. Um, and, and like I said, um, our, our main core business was, uh, you know, importing um, uh, cabinetry, um, countertops, flooring, um, windows, you know, a lot to do with, with um, you know, construction and, and, and home improvement. Um, at the residential level, uh, we were importing that at, at probably the largest scale in Freeport, and that allowed us to open that up to um, to open up other retails um, outlets in the Bahamas. And so, 
Um, the Bahamas is, is broken down into 17 different islands. And so wow. our hub was in Freeport, Bahamas. And uh, I'll explain a little bit even about why Freeport made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we opened a location in, in Nassau um, and Eleuthera. Um, and we also had an existing uh, location in Abaco. So we opened two locations in the last couple of years um, that really you know, spurred and helped the business to grow. And for us, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a good story with a lot of learning lessons, but um, Hurricane Dorian last year really, um, you know, kind of changed the, the dynamic of not just for us, but I think for, for business and small business in, in the Bahamas, um, a lot of us had to, um, you know, for us specifically, we lost all of our inventory. Uh, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars that just, um, went went down the drain in a matter of a couple of days, and wow. uh, you know, thankfully we had you know contingencies in place like insurance where we were able to recover. But you know, that wasn't the case for a lot of small businesses in the Bahamas, um, and so it's 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 still in a state of recovery. And then you amplify that with COVID nineteen, and then the fact that we're in hurricane season again, right? Like the road to recovery in the Bahamas has been tough, and 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 part of that was the reason why I decided to come back to the U.S. and um, you know, my decision to come back to corporate and do finance, um, more or less for the longer term as, you know, someone who has a fiance and now has to start thinking about a family, um, you know, you, you kind of weigh things out a little bit differently, but, um, you know, the passion for small business and entrepreneurship is still there. Um, you know, as, as we talked a little bit before and, and some of the things that you're doing, um, it, it excites me and it gets my blood boiling as well. So, uh, so I'm sure you'll, you'll see some things in the, uh, the next couple months on my end with some uh, projects that I'm looking to to start as well. Awesome. 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 So what was that, that, that process like, or what were some of the lessons that you guys kind of learned um, kind of pre hurricane Dorian to where, Hey, these were, you know, things I wish we kind of knew before we made these decisions as you were kind of building up that, you know, that export business and in the retail locations. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so, so I, so I have a few things I'll probably t- uh, touch base on. So one, I thought it'd be interesting, um, to, to kind of do some contracts between small business in the U S and small business in the Bahamas. So I'll touch on that, but I'll also just kind of share, I guess, some learning lessons for me, um, personally that, you know, I wish we took advantage of before I would say one, um, the first thing is, is, uh, is dual source. Um, suppliers or vendors. In our case, um, the majority of product that we purchased came from China. And the reason being is that costs are, were just much lower. And one of the things that I think is very different in the U.S. and in, in the Bahamas is that I think the U.S. being a part of the World Trade Organization, there are rules that govern um, how much tariff, duty, or taxes that the U.S. is going to charge on imports. Whereas in the Bahamas, duty can range anywhere from 0% to 85%. Oh, wow. <laughs> so in our, cases, in our case, for cabinets, we were paying 45% on top of the product cost wow. um, to bring that product in. And so when you have you know, the mass production of China and cost being so low, that, that was pretty much our, our premise of business of being able to, to, pr- to provide you know, quality products at a lower cost because we were one of the, the only players at the time that were bringing wholesale from China. Okay. You know, the Bahamas being so close to the U.S., a lot of people were just sourcing locally from the U.S. 
or, or you know, and, and ship into the Bahamas. Whereas we took the took the chance to go halfway across the world and start bringing some products in, and, and that's where our business started to flourish and thrive. Um, but one of the challenges with that is there was a point um, where our, one of our key suppliers um, had a inspection, uh, and similar to the to, to OSHA here in the U.S., the Chinese equivalent to that organization. Uh, did an inspection and the factory ended up shutting down for a month. Oh, wow. And so this was following um, our biggest sale of the year. So we had a lot of pre-sales and a lot of backlog and back order. Um, and, and we had to find ways to tell our customers that the product that you expected to come, um, or we told you that was going to come in two months, uh, wouldn't come for six. Oh, wow. And that was a very, very tough time because, you know, a lot of persons in a conversation around, uh, you know, are you, are you still in the money or how are you guys operating business? And these were things that we had no control over um, because, mm-hmm. again, our suppliers halfway across the world. And so one of the things that I pushed to do, particularly, you know, in, in the latter part of my time there is to build relationships with U.S. suppliers, but to negotiate at wholesale rates as opposed to retail rates. And so even though that wouldn't be our primary source of, uh, of, uh, of goods, um, in the likelihood that we you know, needed a backup, we were able to identify suppliers in the U.S. that sold the same product that we were purchasing from China. So we'd be able to purchase in the cases that we needed uh, you know, quick turnover times or back orders um, or pre-sales to be able to help our customers you know, get that. Because a kitchen won't be complete. You can have 30 or, or 40 pieces of cabinet in one kitchen and not have two pieces in the kitchens incomplete. And yeah. so, uh, so yeah, that, that, that is one thing I think that uh, a learning lesson that we learned is there's, you know, the key to having multiple suppliers um, and being able to think ahead or plan ahead, um, you know, it, it's helped a lot. Um, but a couple other things I'll just share with you too while, while we're on the topic. Um, of, of when I look at the differences between you know, business and Freeport and business in, in uh, the U.S. and in particular small business, um, the Bahamas has a very unique history and unique standing of business. And so when I, when I think about the Bahamas, there's almost two, um, two different parts of the Bahamas. So you have Freeport, which is the city where I'm from, and it's a, a free tax zone. So there, there's no corporate tax, no income tax, no federal, no, no real estate tax, capital gains tax within the zone of Freeport. And that was primarily created to spur economic growth. And so, as I mentioned to you, that was one of the reasons we started the business in Freeport, because in addition to having lower product costs, um, we we're able to, to sell our product, um, you know, in a tax-free state. And so that helps to drop the cost a little bit, as well as the price for consumers. Um, another kind of big difference, I think, is when you talk about the cost of doing business. Um, in the Bahamas, licensing fees is a big is a big story. Um, okay. So, for example, Grand Bahama, we'd pay fifteen hundred dollars um, a year to renew our business license. Oh wow! And then, if you go into New Providence, another part of Bahamas, you would pay anywhere from half a percent to one point two five percent of wow. your total turnover as a okay. business license fee. Um, and then you contrast to here where I'm at in Minnesota, where it's a zero, $0 annual charge as long as yeah. you're in good standing. So, you know, for us, I think 
even though you get some of the benefits of, of you know, no income tax or no corporate tax, you know, we, we pay it in the form of business license fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's where you see some of the cost structures of, of how we do business um, change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I'll say one thing on that. I mean, this may sound like a shameless plug since I'm me, in accounting and finance, but I think that's why I tell business owners that that's why it's important for you to stay close with your accountant to understand some of those things. I remember working with someone that started an LLC in, in the state of Maryland, and they had been running their LLC for years, but what they didn't realize is that you're required to file an annual registration and it's $200 every year, but they had been running their business for a couple years and they actually had two different LLCs and they hadn't filed in like the last five years. Mm-hmm. So it's just like now they got a notice. I think when they tried to change the name or whatever, and then they got the notice that, Hey, you're not in good standing and you need to pay these, these fees that you haven't been filing to where it's like, it was an unexpected expense, but it's different things like that to where there are some regulatory things that people don't think about. But when I talk to business owners that have experience in other countries, they seem to be more aware of those regulations <laughs> than many U.S. business owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and, you know, part of that, I would, I would guess, is that, you know, most people just think about taxes, right? Um, is, is, is that's kind of the biggest story here, but, you know, you know, when you're talking about small business, like I said, in places like the Bahamas, um, even though taxes aren't as big and that's changed in the last couple of years for the Bahamas, like I said, you, you have a, these annual filing fees that you have to be very conscious and aware of because, you know, if you're not in good standing, then you can't even bring your goods into the country. And that's, wow. that's why it's such a, a big impact. Uh, because you just can't do business at all. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one of the key things that we have to be aware of um, when you talk about international business. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now tell us a little bit about, I mean, is the, your family's business still operating back in the Bahamas now? Or? Yeah. 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 Um, so the business is still active. Um, like I said, my, my, my dad and his partner and the team are still, you know, pretty active in the day to day. And it's a funny, you know, it's a funny industry to be in, right? Because it's, it's, it's one of those similar, honestly, with, you know, when I see, uh, you know, COVID-19 and you have certain retail businesses that have been able to do better than others. Um, Similarly with us, you know, when we have a hurricane, right, that usually entails a lot of destruction and therefore a lot of construction that needs to happen. So with everything that's been happening with the recovery effort and people wanting to rebuild their homes, um, the business has been doing uh, you know, pretty well in terms of being able to, to bring in and move product and help you know, persons to, uh, to supply them with the, the, the different products that they need to, to get life back to normal. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things, again, right, you know, I'm, not, I'm never happy when a hurricane comes through. But, you know, on the flip side of that, that's usually a time when there's a lot of rebuilding and uh, businesses like ours tend to uh, tend to have some benefit during that time. OK, gotcha. Gotcha. Now, I guess, do you foresee any point of going back to the Bahamas at any point or right now is your heart set on being in the U.S.? Yeah, man. Great question. I, I really personally try not to limit myself geographically. Um, 
I think having the experience and having a network, um, you know, persons in the Bahamas and persons in the U.S., I, I constantly try to think about ways where I can um, either leverage, you know, my relationships in both um, to, to create new, new opportunities. Um, and so one, one of the things, again, just after we talked this morning that I thought um, would, would, would be helpful is, is I kind of put together a bit of a SWOT analysis, if you will, mm-hmm. of, of how I think about the Bahamas. And, you know, I think when you, you know, the U.S. and the Bahamas are just two different places. And so when you think about the Bahamas, right, and the strengths of, of, of it as a, com- as a, as a country, um, one of the things is that, you know, it, it, when you look at other places in the Caribbean, um, you know, the Bahamas has one of the strongest economies. Um, gotcha. You know, I think by GDP per capita, it's, it's like top three wealthiest in, in the in the, uh, in the Caribbean. And, and one of the things that, that drives that is the tourism industry. Um, you know, the fact that it's geographically adjacent to the U.S. and it's built up a strong reputation over the past couple of years. Even in the midst of all that's happening with COVID-19, I think that the Bahamas is still going to be a top tourist destination in the future. Um, and that speaks a lot to, you know, the people in the economy, the businesses are there, and how we're situated um, in the Bahamas that I think that's going to continue to be a, uh, um, a strong selling point for, for tourists in, in the years to come. Um, one of the challenges, though, when I compare, you know, business in the U.S. and business in the Bahamas is, is, is critical math, right? Like you, you lose, there's difficulties in achieving um, economies of scale with certain industries because there's just not as much people, right? Like the total, one of my biggest challenges when I came to the U.S. was was, was going to Purdue and seeing the size of that campus. Um, I think the total population was 40,000 people. Wow. That is close to the same size of the island that I came from, you know? And so wow. it, it, it puts into, into context, right? Like, um, you know, you're talking half a million people that make, the, make up the entire economy. So sometimes when you talk about some of the larger industrial businesses um, and you're thinking about a consumer mindset, it, it's, it's tough to, to really break into some of those industries because there's that going to be that challenge of critical mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where you're going to find opportunity is, like I mentioned, tourism is still going to do well. I think technology is, is a big one, um, similar to tourism that allows the Bahamas to export this service to okay. the world. I think that's a big opportunity for uh, the Bahamas to be able to build up, um, you know, its expertise in technology and start to produce products and services in that industry um, that can that, that we can then, you know, sell or, or, or leverage um, to the world. And that's been a big reason that the financial industry has been uh, flourishing in the Bahamas because that same capacity where you're not limited to, to critical mass, as I mentioned with yeah. some of the other businesses or, or companies. And so I think that there's opportunity still in the Bahamas. And, you know, for me, again, having that experience, having that network, uh, I still want to continue to, to, to figure out ways to, to leverage that and leverage the connections that I'm, I'm making here in the U.S. In the US mm-hmm. um, to figure out ways that we can continue to, to drive the, the local economy back in the Bahamas. Okay, awesome. And before we wrap up, one question I'm, I'm very interested in is, you know, having the experience of working kind of finance and accounting field and corporate than going to work in the family business as more of a, a business owner and now back in the corporate world of finance. 
have there been any, I guess you say, new approaches or new ways of thinking about your corporate finance role that you've developed after working more so as a business owner? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think one big difference, I think, is, is uh, the decision-making. Um, you know, in a small business, uh, you have to be prepared to have tough conversations with employees, tough conversations with customers, um, you know, and, and you don't always get the luxury to, to, to brainstorm how do we approach it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think managing a small business has helped me to think quicker on my feet um, and be able to have some of those tougher conversations earlier than later. Um, whereas I think in corporate sometimes, you know, there can be so many you know, routes up the chain or down the chain, you know, before you get to that, that final point of decision-making um, that, that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same sense of imminence that, that, you know, we need to address this today. We need to address this now in some cases. And so, so yeah, for me as a finance professional, you know, I think that's helped me to think differently of not just, you know, the world of finance, but the, the total business, right. And what we do and how that impacts the total company and, you know, how do we think about that from marketing? How do we think about that from a human resource standpoint? Um, because in small business, I had to wear all those hats, right? Um, okay. I, you know, I had to, you know, deal with, 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 with customers who were dealing with certain situations at home. And, uh, you know, they would come to the shop and, you know, it turned to a venting session, right? Of just listening wow. to them and, and being able to say, okay, listen, I understand that you're going through some things. We're going to try to help you solve them. And sometimes that was it. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes I had to say, hey, we're going to fix this, even though there's a delay, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, discount, you know, um, you know, the product that you bought and, and hopefully that'll, that'll ease it. Right. So, you know, it's definitely relationships and understanding people and, you know, being able to, to bring that back to, uh, to me in, in corporate finance has been probably one of the biggest things that I've had to, uh, that I've learned and, and I'll take with me as I do, you know, business on a day to day. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, OJ, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Um, definitely. Thank you for taking time and um, all the best, like I said, with the, the family business back at home um, and, and definitely all best wishes. As I said, as going into another hurricane season, all the best wishes for your family and then also all the best for you and your engagement and your, your career as well man thank you man thank you it's it's um, i'm excited um i'm appreciative and uh you know it's it's i think you you build up a level of resilience um kind of seeing hurricanes from year to year and so that's that's one piece of confidence that i can say um but at the same time man i'm excited for for what you're doing here and uh you know the conversations that you're having i think the conversations that are needed particularly for um, you know, communities of color, um, just being able to pass the knowledge is, is I think, the first step of really being able to drive some of the change we want to see. So um, I'm appreciative of what you're doing, excited to see what you continue to do. And that concludes another episode of the Business Talk Library. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can connect with us on any social media platform, Instagram at Business Talk Library, LinkedIn. You can follow the Business Talk Library hashtag. You can also connect with us on Facebook and YouTube searching for Business Talk Library. If there's any topics that you would like addressed or any questions you have about your business or your career path that you would like for us to answer on the show, feel free to shoot us a note on any of those platforms and we will try our best to get to them. Remember, keep it simple.